Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. And my guest this hour is uh, Robert Sutton, who's a Ph.D. He's a professor of management science and engineering at Stanford. Uh, he's the co-author of several books in the past, uh, Hard Facts, Dangerous Half-Truths, and Total Nonsense. He's also author of a book called Weird Ideas That Work. Uh, but today we're talking about a more controversial book that's been, been very popular uh, called The No-Asshole Rule, Building a Civilized Workplace and Surviving One That Isn't. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks. It's great to be here, Jordan. Let's just start off uh, with the, the concept behind uh, this book. Uh, why did you want to do a book that, that's kind of so controversial and has a name that, that probably is off-putting to some people? Um, well... I, there's, I, don't, I guess uh, the best place to start is that, uh, like everything else in my life, it was sort of an accident. Um, about, I guess, three or four years ago, I got an invitation from Harvard Business Review to write um, an article about a breakthrough idea, and I proposed that uh, it wasn't a breakthrough idea, but uh, one of the best ideas I knew in business was uh, that you shouldn't uh, allow organizations to hire demeaning people and demeaning nasty people, and you shouldn't let um, people who are nasty get away with it. And uh, the reason I use the word asshole is that uh, when I see somebody treat somebody else in a nasty way, that's the word that I use to myself. And it's also the, the word that I use on myself when I've been nasty. So it's the most authentic uh, summary of what I'm talking about. And so there's been some controversy around it, but I've mostly been amazed by how much the uh, traditional press has been happy to use some variation of the word, sometimes with a bit of censorship. <laughs> but it certainly is what people think about, so you're, you're honest and true about that for sure. Yeah. Let's just talk about the, the, uh, the workplace environment here. And as far as I'm concerned, we can use the word in, in its full glory here. Um, are there a lot of assholes in the work, workplace, and, and you know, how do they get away with, with what they do? Well, I mean, it, it, it is interesting, and in, in fact, in, in terms of whether or not they get away with that, I'll get to that in a second, but uh, if you look at large-scale studies, and we actually have a lot of large-scale studies of, um, in the, the United Kingdom, they call it bullying, workplace bullying. In the United States, we tend to have research on psychological abuse, uh, abusive supervision, and and if you look at some of those surveys, it looks like maybe about one out of two Americans report that they have worked for an abusive supervisor at some point in the past. Mm -hmm. And if you look at ongoing studies, about one out of six people reports that they're working for somebody or working with somebody right now who's consistently um, demeaning and leaving them in a de-energized state. So it can be anything from personal insults to treating them as if they're invisible to political backstabbing. But those that sort of look at looks at the range and... And your question, which is, I think, an essential question, is, well, why do we let them get away with it? Yes. There's, first of all, there's actually a brand-new study that was just presented at my professional conference last week that, that shows that um, a remarkably large percentage of, uh, of supervisors who um, are nasty and belittling either are allowed to get away with it or are promoted, um, even though they continue to act that way. And... And to me, there's two parts of that. One is that uh, there is an ethos or a belief in some organizations that so long as you keep performing, you can be the biggest jerk on earth, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. and, that, and then the other part is um, 
is even a myth that um, nasty people are more effective, which there's no evidence to support, by the way. Um, so there are there are some organizations that allow you to act that way, and there's also some organizations in, in the United States and Europe and other places where uh, the only where, where sort of the model of an effective employee is somebody who is nasty. What, what comes to mind that just happened last week was uh, Robert Nardelli, right, uh, who was ousted from Home Depot with his two hundred million dollar uh, severance mm-hmm. package. Was known to be incredibly nasty, and one of the reasons he was forced out was he didn't have a lot of support because of all the people he'd been nasty to. Right. And here he gets hired by Cerebus Capital Management to run Chrysler. Uh, I mean, the people who Cerebus must have thought nasty is good. So what's but, wrong well, with that? Well, I mean, it, it is interesting because there there is the sort of notion that uh, that people who are tough are the right people to be in management positions, and and, and I think there's a difference between. And again, I, I've heard the rumors about Bob Nardelli, but I. I don't have first-hand information about how he behaves, but th- but there is a difference between being tough and and even encouraging constructive argumentation argumentation versus actually demeaning people. And uh, the the person I like to use to um, make this clear is uh, Andy Grove, who was the Time Man of the Year and uh, was very effective CEO of Intel, one of the founders as well, mm-hmm. is sort of infamous for being tough and the kind of guy who likes to argue, um, but. Uh, um, anybody I know who's ever worked with Andy Grove, and I've met him a couple times as well, will tell you that he's tough and likes to argue, but he's never demeaning. It's always about finding the best solutions. Yes. And and I think that's an important line. So I don't know Bob Nardelli. I've never um, worked with him or seen him up up close. But but there really is a difference um, between between being negative and leaving people demeaned and, and, and caring about performance. Now, you say that there's a difference between kind of temporary assholes uh, and then right. certified ones. What, what would be the difference between those? Well, well to me, um, there really is a difference between, in, in, in fact, I think the very last point of the book is, uh, is assholes are us. And I make the argument that all of us under certain conditions, well, since it's sort of a contagious disease as well, or when we're under pressure or we might be having a bad day, are capable of being demeaning or insensitive to others. And so, so to me, that's I, I, this notion that that anybody's perfect is ridiculous. Yes. But there's, but but the people who I think of as, as being certified assholes are people who, across times and situations, are nasty to to the majority of people that they meet, especially the people who have less power. And and one of my um, one of of my of my uh, my favorite people who sort of or least favorite depending on how you how you describe this is that uh, there's a Hollywood producer quite famous one named um, Scott Rudin and uh, Scott Rudin is famous for flaming and being nasty to everybody he meets and a good objective measure is that he reported that over a five year period that he went through 109 personal assistants. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Wall Street Journal reported the number was actually 250. So um, you can decide what the number actually is. But the class, one of the sort of things that they also reported was that he fired somebody for bringing the wrong, bringing him the wrong breakfast muffin. Mm-hmm. So uh, that sounds and, and infamous for screaming and demeaning and dressing down um, people. So somebody like that who seems to have a history across times and places um, would. would qualify as a certified asshole, if you will. This is very much like the movie, the Meryl Streep movie recently, yeah, right? Yes, I think Meryl Streep uh, would have qualified. Um, 
But but again, these people are glamorized to some extent. You can make fun of them, but you know, here's a successful editor of a fashion magazine, right. and that's the way you have to be if you run a fashion magazine. Is the kind of the feeling of it. Right. So, so it, it is interesting because um, in in your statement, which is actually a great, is that, that you have to be that way to run a fashion magazine. Well, in fact, I know a fair amount about the at least the magazine business, and there are plenty of editors who are completely civilized people and do a perfectly good job anyways. Mm-hmm. So, so the notion that you have to be that way, and in, and in fact, if if you look at what it takes to be a successful leader in most organizations, that uh, treating people around you with respect is probably more effective. And and uh, and so you can look at everybody from, um, even in Hollywood, which is infamous, Steven Spielberg is famous for being civilized as, as is A.G. Laffley and Procter and Gamble, and, and my perspective is, well, if you can be successful treating the people around you with with respect, well, you know, why why do we have to let people get away with being demeaning and de-energizing and insulting people and 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 creating a world where there where um, you know life is filled with fear and and when you look at the effects of of allowing nasty people to do their dirty work, it has all sorts of negative financial effects on organizations too. Let's talk about that. What are the collateral damage, I guess you might say, of having assholes running various parts of a business? Well, I mean, it is interesting because, I mean, and this is one of the things that, especially in the last three or four years, you're getting um, not just hints but pretty strong message about the damage done and the risks. And the risks are somewhat different from two different places. Um, one is there's a growing academic literature on bullying or psychological abuse that, that documents and quite compelling fashion that uh, the people who have abusive supervisors or are mobbed, they work in, work in situations where there's a lot of demeaning behavior, that, that they tend to have more physical health problems or mental health problems. So if you're just talking about the capitalist part, that's going to run up um, health care bills and lead to more sick days. The other thing is it reduces their work commitment and they're more likely to turn over to quit if they're effective employees. Mm-hmm. So, so there's those sort of effects. But um, there's also more directly calculable financial effects. And one example that I lay out in the book is that there was a, a guy named Ethan who was a star um, Silicon Valley salesperson in a large software firm. Mm-hmm. So people who sell big, expensive software systems can make enormous amounts of money, actually. And um, so the human resource management people were so upset with how demeaning he was to everybody, they calculated what I call the TCA, the total cost of this one asshole, for a year, and it, it turned out that when you went through um, the, the anger management training, all of the extra management time he took, all the assistance that he burned through, that the total cost for this one asshole for one year was about $160,000. So, and his sales didn't make up for it. It wasn't worth it. Well, his sales, well, I mean, his sales exceeded that, but, the, the, but they, they did, by the way, subtract $100,000 from his bonus. So uh-huh. they, they did make this guy pay, but... Um, but but in that case, the question is, well, the sales made up for it. Well, he, there were other people who were just as effective salespeople as he was who weren't tr- treating people around you. But if you treat it as a completely um, sort of rational financial calculation, I suppose there might be times when it's worthwhile having somebody around like that. But, you know, sort of my perspective is, is there's more to money in life um, that the, the, you know, the capitalist effects. Oops. Yeah, it's okay. You're right. We're actually going to take a break here. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and I'm uh, interviewing Robert Sutton, uh, who's the editor of an exciting new book called The No Asshole Rule, 
building a civilized workplace and surviving one that isn't. We'll be back right after this. Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, the Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellent both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answers Show, and my guest this hour is Robert Sutton, who's a Ph.D. at Stanford in Management Science and Engineering. Uh, And he has put out a new book uh, called The No Asshole Rule, Building a Civilized Workplace and Surviving One That Isn't. Uh, published by Warner uh, Business Books. Welcome back to the show, Robert. Thanks. We were talking about the damage uh, that assholes do and people who are abusive in the workplace. Let's just tell a little bit more about some ways that they damage uh, productivity in the workplace. Oh, oh sure. So, so we there, there are two. There's two other kinds of effects that um, are increasingly well documented that I think are important to mention. The first one has to do with recruiting. Now, it turns out that especially in industries where there's a premium or a war for talent, that all are things being equal, people are going to want to work for employees where they're treated with dignity and respect. And exhibit one out where I live in Silicon Valley is that um, one of the effects of the Google Corporation where 
and, and, and when I wrote the book, I actually talked to uh, quite a few Google executives about this, and I've actually since given two talks on the book at Google. And at Google, what they say is they don't exactly have a no-asshole rule, but, but it's a place where, as they put it, it's not efficient to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. So if you act like a jerk or you're demeaning, it's very difficult to get things done. So the, the, one of the effects is, since Google is, is doing so much hiring, is that other high-tech firms, which traditionally maybe haven't been so nice, have pressure on them to treat their employees with more dignity and respect and to not allow people get, to get away with flaming employees because they've got to compete with Google. And so, to some extent, their whole hiring process is a very kind of collaborative hiring. It's not just somebody hiring it that they have to kind of see the team they're going to work with and see if uh, they get along with them and so on, right? It, well, yes, and, and, and it, it, it's very time-consuming and, and, and there's pressure for cultural fit. But, uh, I mean, one of the funny things when I, when I gave one of my talks at Google afterwards, a woman came up to me and she said, and this is a sign of a strong culture, she said, I'm really not that nice of a person, but I have to be nice here. I can't get my work done. <laughs> that sort of cracked me up. Now, now the other thing, which I think is more serious, and we haven't talked about um, um, healthcare and medicine yet. It turns out that um, medicine, especially surgeons, um, if you look at the evidence, are especially demeaning and nasty. There's, in fact, nurses, especially surgical nurses, are one of the most abused occupations. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any sign of progress that things are getting better there? No, there's not. Um, at least from the, the surveys that I've seen, and also um, people who are um, who are surgical residents tend to be especially abused, which there is sort of a hazing component to it, but the problem is there's also a a growing modest body of evidence that shows that when people work in a climate of fear, and and this is research done in hospitals and also um, with um, doctors, that shows that when they work in a climate of fear, they don't focus on learning from their mistakes and teaching other people what they've learned, the focus is, is on avoiding the finger of blame. Mm-hmm. And so, and you end up with situations, and I, I've also had emails from doctors who describe that, um, that the whole purpose of mortality and morbidity conferences where you talk about what happened when something bad happened was to avoid the finger of blame rather than to actually learn something. Yeah. So, so that's another negative effect is if you, if you create a world where I would say there's asshole poisonings and people, people who have more polite language would say there's a climate of fear, um, it turns out to be very difficult to learn an occupation and to have and to have an environment where people learn from their mistakes and, and share because there's just too much fear. Yeah. You, you talk about all the different negative effects on the organizations, uh, things like impaired improvement in established systems. I guess they don't kind of go along when things are trying to get better. Right. Uh, reduced innovation and creativity, uh, reduced cooperation and cohesion, uh, dysfunctional internal cooperation. I mean, this sounds like a lot of American companies these right. days. Right. Well, I mean, that, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing is that uh, is that it's not like uh, this is a new idea, and it, it is it is the case that many American companies are like that. But my argument is, well, is that necessarily a good thing? And at least based on the evidence we have, not just on uh, specifically on abusive workplace or bullying. But it actually turns out that organizations that uh, consistently treat their people well um, do better over the long haul, and it's it's quite well documented. It isn't it isn't just um, just Google or Procter and Gamble. When you look at sort of industry after industry, that um, firms that treat their people better and with more respect tend to perform um, longer, all their things better, 
all things being equal. The, the, the other example, of course, in the airline industry is Southwest Airlines, which mm-hmm. has, has historically not paid more than um, other U.S. airlines, but has historically treated its people much better. Is this mostly an American phenomenon? I mean, how do we stack up compared to well, like, Japanese companies you think of as very disciplined? Well, but, it, it is interesting because I know less about Asia, but one thing I can So the book actually was released first in Germany, mm-hmm. and it's, it's sold well in the United States, but it's actually sold more per capita in Germany, and, uh, and also in uh, about the same per capita in, in France. And, um, and, is it, and um, my understanding is in, in those countries, from my various correspondence, that it's just as big or more of a problem in, in European countries. Mm-hmm. As for Asian countries, um, it's the, the Japanese and Korean editions are just now coming out, and, and I've had extensive um, email conversation with a couple of executives in, in, um, in the East, including some from Singapore, and their argument is is that in those environments, because uh, there, there's more of a, of a cultural conformity or at least surface conformity than American or Western countries, that uh, that people who will um, tend to be demeaning will tend to be stamped out more quickly. But at the same time, um, people in positions of authority can kind of get away with more than they can in the United States. Because you think of them as very hierarchical societies, right. and hierarchical of the people on top are going to be you know, do what they want to the people at the bottom, it seems. Well, um, although you, you also think of the, uh, the auto companies, Toyota and so on, that have this kind of team system and everybody's part of the team, and uh, there isn't as, as much of a pyramid as there is in the United States. Yeah, well, and, and, and in fact, there are big differences between, I mean, to stereotype and say they're all the same, but um, it, I think it's unfair. Though. I think there are big differences among the companies. Um, Japan actually has always, their Toyota has always had a very... Um, cooperative culture where people are um, encouraged to give suggestions. In fact, one of the hallmarks of the Toyota production system is treating employees at all level with, with respect, although it certainly plays out differently than it does in the American system. And the American system, we have much more of a kind of uh, adversarial situation with oh. the union. and the. So what has been the cost? Can you say that one of the reasons Toyota and Honda and Nissan have done better is their management system and the workforce compared to the confrontational style and the? Uh, well, I don't know whether it's just confrontational. I mean, I, for my earlier books, I spent a lot of time looking at uh, looking at the Toyota production system in particular, and the Toyota production system in terms of creating a team-based environment where people treat each other again with respect is is amazing. And the best example of this is probably the new United Motors plant or the Numi plant out here in Fremont, California which was the worst plant in the General Motors system. Mm-hmm. And then they shut it down and reopened it with virtually the same workforce, all UAW workers, and um, with Japanese management, and it became one of the best. And also, things changed dramatically where the employees will, will report that they were treated and treated one another with, with much more uh, respect. And one of my favorite stories, which comes from a case study one of my colleagues did, is about a guy named Jamie Horesco who was a General Motors executive and he came and he worked underground and he tried to mess up his job in many, as many different ways as possible. Mm-hmm. So he'd break his part, he wouldn't put his part on and every single violation or every single mistake he made was immediately commented on by his team members and they tried to stop him from doing it. Mm-hmm. And then when he, he didn't seem to be learning, they then, they then went to management and suggested they, that uh, they get rid of Jamie 
But but in that case, you can see how powerful the system of norms were, were that although people were treated with respect, there was also enormous pressure to, um, to, to perform and do the job properly, as opposed to, frankly, in some of the assembly lines that I knew very well in uh, Detroit in the days that I was there, that the workers would cooperate as well, but they'd cooperate around things like, uh, well, allowing people to drink or smoke a joint on the assembly line and not mm-hmm. get caught. Mm-hmm. So they really were bringing supportive positive behavior, but supporting negative right. behavior. Right, right. Yes. Now you talk about how to implement uh, the no asshole rule. Let's, let's first of all exactly state what is the no asshole rule itself. Well, well to me it's a pretty simple idea, and I suspect most of your listeners um, knew before I said anything. It's the simple notion that uh, you don't want to hire people who are demeaning, and then in particular once you bring people aboard, you don't let people get away with demeaning behavior. Um, and uh, so, so some of the ways that organizations that I've studied implemented is, first of all, in screening out employees, if people have the reputation of being nasty or demeaning, they'll avoid hiring them. Southwest has been hiring and firing for attitude for years. JetBlue does the same thing. So does Procter & Gamble, by the way. Um, and then the next thing is, in the interview process, you set the expectations. And one of my favorite examples there's a company out here called Success Factors. It's a successful software firm that just actually announced its IPO. It's one of the fastest-growing software companies. And the uh, CEO of Success Factors has all new employees sign a contract. It's actually, they call it the Terms of Engagement, that says that I won't act like a jerk. And, and, and it says, it's in the next line, is I'm, I'm not making this up, is it's okay to have an asshole. You just can't be one here. It's like this official sort of document. Did you, were you helpful in creating that document? No, 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 no. Actually, they, before I ever wrote the book, I think they were using it. I see. Okay. So, so I mean, I, in fact, there's lots of other companies that, that have had no asshole rules. I've got an entire list of them on my blog. And, um, but, but the key thing that Lars Dahlgaard, uh, tells me is that, is that just having the conversation, um, about, uh, they call it the no assholes rule has two positive effects. One is that it helps, um, out employees who might not be able to work under that condition. And the other thing that it does is it makes clear to everybody in the company that this is how we're supposed to behave. And, and then some of the other things moving down the line. And, and then it's it, worked. You're saying once people sign it, they actually do, they keep to that agreement. They, well, yeah, and, 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 and to that point, and, and one thing I like about Lars is, is it's not like he's a pie-eyed sort of guy who's unrealistic. He makes clear. Okay, go ahead. He makes clear that uh, he's a he's a recovering asshole, and it's hard to be um, civilized all the time. <laughs> Indeed, it is. All right, very good. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show, and my uh, guest this hour is Robert Sutton, uh, who's a manager uh, professor at Stanford University uh, and author of a new book called The No Asshole Rule: uh, Building a Civilized Workplace and Surviving One That Isn't. Uh, Bob's uh, web blog, by the way, is bobsutton.net. We'll be back right after this. Line in Business, Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart. Grow profit. 
and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be. Success over and over again, and wealth result when you Reap regularly. Reap what you sow with Alana Daily. Broadcast each Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Reap what you sow. Learn the rules of the game. Then play better than anyone else. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answers Show, and my guest this hour is Robert Sutton, a Ph.D. and professor of management at Stanford University and author of a relatively new book called The No Asshole Rule, Building a Civilized Workplace and Surviving One That Isn't. Welcome back to the show, Robert. Thanks. Let's talk about implementing and enforcing the rule. Once you've got this rule that everybody's supposed to be nice and not be abusive, uh, how, do, how does one actually implement that at a company? So we've been talking about the selection practices and uh, setting the stage. Um, all, some of the other things which, we, which we've also touched on have to do with the nature of the rewards and punishments that are used. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and I mentioned the guy, um, his name is Ethan, who um, cost us from $160,000 because of uh, of the various ways that he was uh, demeaning, and in that case, they um, sort of tweaked the reward system and subtracted about a hundred thousand dollars from his pay. Um, it places like Google. Google is actually interesting because in talking to some of the senior HR executives, um, their perspective was that it actually might be possible to be hired there and be a jerk, but you would not be promoted. Yes. Um, so that was that was sort of interesting. Um, another another way in which it's enforced is to have senior management talk about it explicitly and then, if you will, to walk the talk. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, a great example of this, which uh, I, I got an I got a, um, email from the guy and I checked it out. I thought he was joking, but he was not. There's a company called ARP, A-R-U-P, which is, uh, I believe, the world's largest engineering consulting firm. Their first famous project was the Sydney Opera House, and if something's really difficult, or complicated, they'll tend to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the CEO from their Australian and Asian operation, his name's Robert Kerr, he uh, 
he wrote me this note that they had implemented what he called the no dickhead policy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and it's not, he sent me this thing on like official stationery um, about the notion that uh, they were having problems with arrogance, especially with clients, by the way. Uh-huh. And so they needed to um, sort of tone things down and to start treating one another with more respect. And so, so there you have the sort of leadership action. And then, and then the final thing is that there does come a point where if people are especially um, have a history of, of abusive, that even if they're top performers, that you sort of bite the bullet and you get rid of them. And the first person I heard a lot of talk about this from when I was uh, working on the book was Ann Rhodes. So Ann Rhodes was uh, head of HR at Southwest for um, about a decade and then the founding head of HR at um, at JetBlue and also head of HR at the Starwood Hotel Resort. So she'd been around a long time, and she described to me how in every situation she'd been involved with demeaning people, that there'd be all this hesitation about getting rid of them, but once you got rid of them, everybody would be so relieved that the relief would just be sort of palpable and everybody would sort of just calm down. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, I mean, what this is, it's the standard sort of um, blocking and tackling of, of doing good management, but it's also um, just using a different standard, which is uh, just because somebody's performing on traditional measures that uh, you also might want to look at their interpersonal behavior, too. I guess the hard part for people who are in a less powerful position is to stand up to somebody in a more powerful position, both inside a company and also, as you say, say if your client is really giving you a hard time and you you don't want to lose the job, how do you stand up to somebody like that without losing the job or if you're in an employee-employer situation getting fired? Yeah, so that so that's a great point. I mean, let me start out with with um, with the client situation. To me, the clients are in part a choice that uh, that individual companies and individual employees um, have to make. And, and there are some organizations. I mentioned Southwest and JetBlue, and and there are some consulting firms I know that will just simply refuse to work with demeaning clients. I think a more common thing that happens with demeaning clients especially with professional service firms that they don't realize is um, what happens. And I, I actually, it's one of those things that I get um, many emails and I talk to many people, but nobody will be quoted, um, that they charge what they call asshole taxes. I see. <laughs> which is, uh, and, and I have done this myself in speaking engagements, frankly, um, that if I really um, like the client, I'll charge them less. But um, if it's somebody who, I'm, who has a reputation of not treating me as well, I will um, charge them more, frankly. And... Um, and so that's that's sort of a hidden cost in the process as well, but uh, but you know the decision of whether or not you're going to put up with it depends, I guess, on how desperate we all are. Um, on the other side, um, and, and actually on my blog and in the book too, I've got this this whole set of tips for uh, people who are stuck working with assholes. And mm-hmm. my first bit of advice there is that if you look at the evidence about what happens when you work around demeaning people. There's two things that are really well documented. One is that it's probably going to make you physically sick and um, affect your mental health. And the second thing is that you're probably going to turn into an asshole yourself since it's a very contagious, um, mm-hmm. emotions are very contagious. So, so because of those predictable negative effects, there's an argument that you should get out if you possibly can. But short of that, I talk about things like uh, starting with polite confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, I've had everybody from... Um, like secretaries to actually Ron Reagan, um, President um, Reagan's son, who is, a, is actually a radio host. I mm-hmm, knew that right, I didn't know right. that until recently. He described how we'd use polite confrontation when he dealt with nasty people. Um, the other 
things that I suggest are is if you can possibly limit confrontation with somebody who's nasty, at least you'll get a little bit less of the poisoning. Um, and uh, some of the other things that I talk about are um, finding ways to um, sort of um, enjoy small victories over the persons. One of the ones that I got, again, actually from somebody in the radio business that, that was kind of funny but also effective, is there was this uh, one woman who was a producer and her boss kept stealing her lunch and also insulting her, too. Okay. And so um, to fight back, and he would steal her food explicitly, like she'd be eating and he'd take part of her lunch and eat it in front of her. <laughs> okay. so, so this was not just, uh, it was sort of one of those power trip thing, things. So what she did was she made candies out of X-Lax and put it on her desk, mm -hmm. and then he ate them and she told them what they were. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty good act of revenge. Um, um, I think a bit more seriously, um, if you're in a situation where you have a consistently demeaning boss or coworker, there's a lot of evidence from employment lawyers that the best thing you can do is to keep track of the person's behavior, keep a diary or um, some sort of record, or even and even better, get a bunch of other coworkers to do it so you can have a, a case against forcing the person out. Mm -hmm. Or if worse comes to worse, uh, there's actually um, a, sort of a growing change in case law that uh, that if um, if people are allowed to work in a place where they're consistently abused that the firm can suffer um, financial damages as a result. So, so although I'm not actually a big fan of uh, suing employers for anything because litigation has all sorts of negative uh, um, downsides for people who do it, that uh, if you document the abuse that you're, you're facing, there's actually a lot of reasons to do that to be able to fight back. So have there have been cases, I mean, I, you think of uh, Chainsaw uh, Dunlap, you know, who right. came into Sunbeam and so on. Uh, who just decimated these places, uh, do they get sued? I mean, this, this has all kinds of negative implications as a company letter because they keep getting hired over and over again. Right. Well, so I, I know of no evidence that uh, that senior executives get sued, but, but there, there actually have been a few cases lately. It, it's funny because I actually gave a talk at, um, at a large employment law firm called Littler Mendelssohn. It's actually the largest um, employment law firm, and they explain that, uh, that there's a change in case law where it, it used to be that if somebody is clearly racist or sexist and they're demeaning, then uh, then the laws against them. But until recently, there was there was some question as to whether being an equal opportunity jerk or asshole was against the law. Mm -hmm. But there are there are a growing number of cases. Certainly in Europe, it's clearly against the law. But the the, the case the argument that I make, and I'm married to a lawyer. This is some stealing my wife's argument. Is that if you think about it, if you're in a situation where um, you want to sue and collect damages for your employer because you've been working in an asshole-infested environment, the only way you can win a lawsuit for anything is to actually suffer damages. Mm -hmm. So, And the more damages you suffer, the more money you can get. No. And my argument is, well, that means to me you should get out as fast as you can and not suffer the damages. Have there been people who have actually filed lawsuits like that with damages and won? Oh, oh in, 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 there's, there was just a, as I understand, there was a small victory in Alaska just recently, around five thousand dollars, and then there's also a number of states that have been introducing what they call anti-bullying legislation. Uh huh. But in, in the most famous case is actually in England, and I, I think this was against uh, Deutsche Telekom, but don't quote me because I don't want to be sued for misnaming them. Yeah. That uh, there was a judgment of eight hundred thousand pounds against them for a lot under the notion of sort of the equal opportunity asshole or bullying statutes. Mm hmm. 
So, uh, so but that has not really gone to the U.S. for the most part. I mean, there's sexual harassment. That's one thing. But, but there's a whole bunch of bills. There's, there's bills that are introduced right now in eight or ten states against that they call it anti-bullying legislation. I see. So, so that's another reason that employers need to be a little bit more careful is that it may end up costing them money because there's a sort of social movement against it in, in, many, organiza- in many states. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in uh, your next chapter, you talk about how to stop your inner jerk uh, from getting out. Right. And uh, maybe just give us a few tips, because, as you say, not everybody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's actually. perfect. And you, you may have this uh, aspect in you, and, and how can you contain it? To some well, I, mean, I, I think, so, so to me, there's, there's, there's an interesting distinction, and, and this is one that, since I wrote the book, I've thought about a lot more, which is the difference between what I describe them as clueless versus strategic assholes. Mm-hmm. And to me, a, a clueless asshole is somebody who doesn't quite realize the effect that they're having on others, and when they get the news that uh, that people view them as a jerk, they're completely shocked. Yes. So that's why. So actually, in the book and also online on Guy Kawasaki's website, we've got something called the ARS test, which is which we call the asshole rating self exam, and it's a 24, 24 items about different ways in which you might recognize the inner jerk in yourself. And so we've had 107,000 people complete that. So uh, this is at your website. They do that. It's, yeah, it's the ARS test. And um, at bobsutton.net, is that right? Right. Uh-huh. And so, so that's one way. So, so you know, the, sort of like the notion that one one item is people stop having fun when I show up, things like that. Um, and, and and but but the general idea of self recognition is important. But there's there's another side to this which I think is is equally important. If you're a clueless asshole, that then such tests and also asking your friends and trusted colleagues what to do is is um, is a good thing to do. We're going to break. We are. <laughs> it's okay. Very good. All right. Well, this has been very interesting. Maybe the listeners can also take the uh, certified asshole test themselves to see uh, how they're perceived by others. Uh, right. This again is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Robert Sutton, professor of management at Stanford and author of the new book, The No Asshole Rule. Building a Civilized Workplace and Surviving One That Isn't. We'll be back right after this. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve Total Wealth Management. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. 
Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Have you ever had a bad day and wish someone could come along and change it at the flip of a switch? Do you dream of living the life of wealth, great relationships, and the perfect job, but don't know where to start? Then tune into The Winner's Attitude with corporate trainers, motivators, authors, and hosts, Jeff and Val G. No difficult strategies or complicated keys. Jeff and Val present a powerful and effective technology to switch your operating system to create the most amazing life. It has been said that winners have simply formed the habit of doing amazing things. When know how to activate that switch and so can you the winner's attitude with jeff and val g broadcast each friday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern on the voice america business channel the winner's attitude switch me on the bottom line in business voice america business You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back. This is Jordan Goodman on The Money Answer Show. And my guest this hour is Bob Sutton, Robert Sutton, who is a Ph.D. and management professor at Stanford University. And we're talking about his new book called The No Asshole Rule, Building a Civilized Workplace and Surviving One That Isn't. Now, so far, Robert, we've talked pretty much about how terrible they right. are and all of that, but you do have a chapter called The Virtues of Assholes. Right. Uh, what, what are some of the virtues of assholes, and how can one make the most of that situation? Well, well um, let me start out and describe how this started. Um, so, as I've indicated, I live out here in the Silicon Valley, and, and, and much like the, um, this show so far, I've, I've made a lot of arguments about how um, bad assholes are for organizations. And so... Whenever I mention just to a group in Silicon Valley, if I start saying writing a, writing a book on assholes, somebody people will immediately start talking about Steve Jobs of Apple. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes there are people who don't know him very well, but very often I actually teach in the engineering school. There's a lot of people who know Steve Jobs quite well in the engineering school. Yeah. Um, and they'll make the same argument, which is, well, so doesn't Steve Jobs show that assholes are sometimes worth worth the trouble? And um, so this sort of forced me, even though I resisted, um, down the line to try to see, well, if you wanted to make an argument about the times and places that assholes are worthwhile, what would the argument be? Well, first of all, it actually does turn out that if you want to get yourself into a position of power, that, um, that there are, especially if you're in an organization that's very competitive and treats life like, a, like an I-win-you-lose game, mm-hmm. that putting people down, stomping on people, is often a way to get ahead. So if you're, if you're in sort of a world where intimidation is the game, that being an asshole is worthwhile. The other thing is that if you work in an organization where people are consistently demeaning and de-energizing, there's probably no other way to survive in the organization but to act like that. Well, you wouldn't think of Apple being a place like that, actually. Well, now, now, now it is interesting because both Apple and Pixar, so I have a very long conversation because I actually got invited to give a talk on the topic at Pixar, mm-hmm. and, and I had a very long conversation with a couple of very senior people at Pixar, and their argument was that at both Pixar and Apple, they are generally um, largely asshole-free co- um, cultures that actually do enforce something like the no asshole rule. Yes. But everybody treats Jobs almost like he's um, from another planet. <laughs> so so uh, the t- one of the top can get away with it to some but, extent. But, but it is interesting that, that, that um, even 
at, at Apple, and I had a long conversation with, with an Apple executive, um, very nice guy, who said that jobs is just jobs and the rest of us just don't act like it that way, and we wouldn't put up with it from anybody else. And, and he did point out to me that, remember Jobs got fired once from Apple right. in the 80s? That's right, that's right. He got fired um, almost completely for his interpersonal behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was around the time that the Mac was successful. So, so and, 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 and there is an argument that fear does motivate people. I mean, when you're afraid of people, it might motivate you to do stuff. So my argument actually about jobs and other people is that um, who are jerks is that sometimes it's going to help them get ahead, but in the end, at least as leaders, they're going to be um, successful despite rather than because of their nasty behavior. And, and that's why when people start um, hauling out examples like Michael Eisner or other people who are famous for being nasty but were quite financial successful, my, my reaction is, well, um, there's lots of people who do nasty things and they succeed despite rather than because of their behavior. And the final problem that um, you have if you're, if you will, an asshole executive is that as long as you're making money or winning games, it's fine. But what ends up happening is that you have a large group of people who are lying in wait to push you out when things start going a little bit bad, mm-hmm. which is what happened in Nardelli at Home Depot. Yes. It's what happened to Carly. We haven't talked about enough women, probably. It's what happened to um, Carly Farina at HP. Um, I believe, and there's a lot of evidence that she was very nasty, mm-hmm. including when the book came out, I have a, I have, um, I better not give any more information, but, but I, I have a, a close acquaintance who was one of her senior executives, mm-hmm. and he read the book and um, wrote me an analysis showing all the ways in which Carly fit my <laughs> descriptions of an asshole. And Linda Wachner at Warnico, I guess. Oh, 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 yeah, Linda Wachner, she's a, actually a great or a terrible example, but in all those cases, they probably would have held on to their positions, but once the uh, performance gets a little bit wobbly, the applies to Michael Eisner too, then you tend to get shown the door more quickly. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's sort of another risk. That, uh, Is this true with athletes as well? I mean, I think of uh, Terrence Owens. Oh. And, and, I mean, right now, Barry Bonds is not exactly loved, although his performance is good. What, what happens in a case oh, like oh, that oh, we have yeah, a... Well, he is batting like 230 or something. I, I, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, but They Barry still Bonds play him, though, you know. They still play him, and the fans seem to love him, despite yeah, his attitude. Like him, but, but, you know... But there's there's actually not the same support for the Giants that uh, that, that there used to be, and, and certainly the rest of the people throughout the country hate him, which is yeah. uh, although his games I mean, are sold out, I guess. When he but I mean, in, in a case like that where you do have somebody like Terry Owens, or so, you know, where they're right. actively obnoxious uh, and they really have to have a real team player in that case, their lives are on the line. Uh, why is it they keep going to new new uh, you know uh, teams and they keep getting taken back? I mean, it is one of those things that's a source of amazement, but you also notice that Terrell Owens has been um, essentially let go by two teams already, Philadelphia and the 49ers, so he's not exactly helping himself. Yes. So, so, the, so even in that case, there there is a cost associated with it. And Bob Knight did get fired by the University of Indiana, despite his uh, finally, <laughs> finally. But yeah, you couldn't believe how long it took them. Right. But, but and, and to me, that also is. I mean, I think that this is a good conversation to have because that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book that. That my view is is you know it, 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 I can quote Steve Jobs here that the journey is the reward that in some ways all we have in life is in, in life is you know sort of the days of our lives and and um, if you're an asshole and you're successful you're still an asshole and I don't want to be around you and you're doing damage to other people so so I think it's one of those things that um, a lot of organizations can and should question um, besides the financial effects that we've we've talked about just the straight human effects. 
it's sort of like what's the point in the end if every day you go to work with a demeaning person or in a, a demeaning organization, you ended up with um, living a life where you're sort of upset and upsetting people the entire time. So I think that there's negative effects beyond that. And also, you know, to return to jobs, there's a lot of evidence that in his old age he's actually gotten a lot nicer. Uh-huh. So, so a lot of the stories about how nasty he is or was go back to the old days. You do have something in here about how to be a more effective asshole if you're going to be yes. one. So what are some of the tips there? Well, well I mean, if you, if you want to be um, a more effective asshole, one of the first things is, and this is not just in the pop culture, one of the first things is is to find, well, first of all, not to be an asshole all the time, to sort of vary it, um, because just being negative all the time doesn't work. But if you're a jerk, there's really an argument for finding um, sort of a good cop or a nice person to cool out the people who you've left hurt. Mm-hmm. Which is something, uh, by the way, that Jobs has just about always had. Has always had somebody to to go to go cool people out. So that and and then um, this is what you call the toxic tandem. Is that right? Yeah, the toxic tandem. That's mm-hmm. right. And or some people call that uh, the t- to have like a um, a toxic enabler to sort of like uh, like help you do it. Um, the, the the other thing is that, um, and I think I've already said this, is that if you scream at people all the time, that there's a, that's not going to be effective. But sort of varying the two, the nastiness and the niceness, actually can be quite effective. And this is the same logic as the good cop, bad cop strategy, that it, it makes the niceness seem so much more nice. Mm-hmm. And it also makes the nastiness sting more. So they, so um, to the extent that they're effective motivators, you get to use both it at the same time. And, the, and then um, one of the last things, which I think is very important, is that there is evidence that um, acting a little bit angry is, is a fairly effective way to grab power, but not necessarily an effective way to keep it, it turns out. Indeed. Very good. We're just about to come to a close. Uh, again, uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my uh, guest this hour has been fascinating, uh, Robert Sutton, a Ph.D. and management professor at Stanford. Uh, his uh, blog and, and website, if you want to find out more about this, is Bob Sutton, S-U-T-T-O-N, uh, dot net. And his book is called The No Asshole Rule, uh, Building a Civilized Workplace and Surviving One That Isn't. In our little time together, just maybe do a quick summary of what people should be looking for here, Robert. Uh, what pe- well, to me, what people should be looking for, if I was going to pick one point of the book, it's this notion that being an asshole is a contagious disease, that it's something that you get and give um, you get from others and give to others, and so you've got to avoid getting in situations where people act like that or you're going to become a jerk and start spreading the disease. Very good. All right, well, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. Thanks. And uh, appreciate it very much. We'll I be back you too. Bye-bye. next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.